0: There is something strange about the musical format, isn't there? I know some of you are eagerly awaiting the release of this new movie version of Les Mis. Uh, Others of us, not so much. I understand from some critics that it is especially extraordinary on one end of the spectrum, and I'll leave you to read the reviews to see which one that is, but uh, I was reminded as I was uh, looking at the passage for this week of back when I was in middle school, believe it or not, uh, when I was in middle school, I did uh, a couple of musicals, and <clears throat> i no I know I, yeah, yeah. Hi, high school high school too, when I was a freshman i yeah I, in fact, I remember uh, at one point i was they made us all get tap shoes because we were all supposed to do this dance, and then we had one rehearsal like that and they told us to go ahead and um, and sell them back. But I, I noticed as I was doing this that there, in, in, the, in, the, in the, the script of these musicals, there would be these lines that would set up a song. I noticed that, that you know, people would say a certain type of thing and then that was going to lead into the music starting, right? And I even remember, uh, you know, noting sort of conversational transitions around the house. And I could see them leading somebody to erupt into song and uh, was one of many ways that I would annoy my family at the time. But the the whole point of the musical genre, the reason that the, the, the music starts and the character starts singing is that the character is supposed to be experiencing some sort of intense emotion. The character is something to say that is so profound that mere words are not going to be sufficient. And so the character has to break out into song and or dance, sometimes at the same time. Remember, I used to do that a long time ago. But the the interesting thing about Luke's gospel is the beginning of it does sort of read like a musical, in that you have these songs that keep popping up, the very first of which... Is Mary's song, our text for today, chapter 1, verses 46 to 55, known as the Magnificat? If you're at all a fan of choral music, you no doubt have heard some magnificent versions of the Magnificat, which begins "Uh, My soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Now, these are the words of Mary, the mother of God, after she has Visited her Aunt Elizabeth. Before that, of course, we had Elizabeth, or we had Mary being visited by the angel Gabriel who told her that she was going to be great with child, having found favor with God, and that she would give birth to Jesus, who would be great and would be called the Son of the Most High. He would be given the throne of his father David and reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom would never end, which is Quite a transition, I would imagine, for a teenage girl in a remote village. How will this be, Mary answered the angel, since I am a virgin? Well, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. And then Mary goes and visits Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, Luke tells us, the baby inside Elizabeth leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, How blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. How blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And that's the setup. That's the line that gets the orchestra started for Mary to start singing her song. It's a song that starts with Mary talking about how God has done great things For her, he has looked upon the humble state of his servant. And from now on, she says, All generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. But then, as she goes on in the song, it's more and more about the great things that he has done for us, for his people Israel. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. On the cover of your bulletin, you have a picture from the cartoon version of the book of Genesis that our crumb did. This is Jacob in the end of Genesis, when Jacob is blessing his sons on his deathbed. And in the middle of these blessings, a couple chapters of it, he just spits out, your deliverance I await, O Lord, God's... Story in the Old and New Testaments is a story of his people crying out for deliverance and of God answering those cries. It's interesting in this song of Mary that most of the verbs are in the aorist tense, which in Greek is a tense that can be used in all sorts of different ways. You can maybe read that as Mary talking about what God has just done for her dramatic errors, what God has just done in terms of placing the Messiah in her womb. You could read it as a simple past tense, as Mary talking about all the things that he did. You could just as legitimately translate this, he raised up a horn of salvation instead of he has raised up, he raised up a horn of salvation. I'm sorry, that's the Zechariah song I skipped. Isn't that crazy? You know, you sing one song in the musical and then you jump to another. Sorry. That he he looked upon the humble state of his servant. He performed mighty deeds with his arm. He scattered those who were proud in their inmost thoughts. He brought down rulers, but lifted up the humble. It could just be a description of the things that God has done over the years. Or it could be what's called a gnomic eras. It could be a description of the kinds of things that God does, the kind of things that God tends to do, the things that God, because of his character, always can be counted on to do. It could be that Mary is singing about the one true God of Israel who always looks upon the humble state of his servants, who always extends mercy to those who fear him from generation to generation, who always performs mighty deeds, always eventually scatters those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. The kind of God who brings down rulers from their throne, yet lifts up the humble, who fills the hungry with good things, but sends the rich away empty. The kind of God who helps his servant Israel, who remembers to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our fathers. However, we read these verbs, and I can assure you that commentators have spilled gallons of ink arguing over just how they ought to read. We can see that here in this song, Mary is giving testimony to a faithful God, to a God who, as the psalmist puts it, is faithful to all of his promises and loving toward everything that he has made This is the God we worship. This is the God we serve. This is the God who himself took on flesh and dwelt among us, moved into the neighborhood, as Eugene Peterson translates that. The God who is always faithful to his promises, doesn't always fulfill them in ways we would expect, in fact, A whole lot of the friction that Jesus encountered came because he wasn't fulfilling the promises folks, the way that folks expected God would be fulfilling them. But he did, and he does, and he will. Will you pray with me as I pray this prayer of Jean-Jacques Ollier? O Jesus, living in Mary, come and live in your servants, in the spirit of your holiness, in the fullness of your power in the perfection of your ways, in the truth of your virtues, in the communion of your mysteries, overcome every oppressing force in your spirit for the glory of the Father. Amen.